Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now it's time to relax into the weekend with uh, Live 95's Coffee Break on Limerick Today and delighted to welcome to the studio uh, three good friends of the Limerick Today show, Josh Prenderful um, of the communications team at LIT. Good morning to you, Josh. Morning, Joe. Uh, Leo Connor, who among other things is co-commentator with us on GA Matters uh, here on Live 95. You're welcome, Leo. And uh, Jennifer Moran-Stritch, who is a lecturer also at LIT. Is there anyone at LIT this morning, guys? (laughs) I turned the lights out before I left. You turned the lights out. Very good. We're okay. okay. Right, let's start then with a a big story from Limerick's perspective, and that is the launch of the first ever brand new brand for Limerick at St. Mary's Cathedral yesterday. What do we think of it, Jennifer? Well, I am no marketing or branding expert, uh, unlike others among us possibly, but uh, I love it. I love it. To me, it kind of just embodies everything that I experience when I come into Limerick. Now, I don't live in Limerick. I work in Limerick. I live over the border in Clare. So that's where my heart is. But uh, uh, my, my, my second home is Limerick City, and I just think it brought forward the edge, the the creativity, the warmth, the sense that people here know who they are and don't have to pretend to be otherwise – and all the great opportunities that, um, you know, uh, international businesses and international travelers and visitors and tourists, as well as our own Irish tourists, would be able to experience when they come here. So I loved every bit of it. Now, this is radio. You can check out the image on Live 95's Facebook page uh, right now. But uh, in essence, it has in small capitals above Limerick at the start of uh, Limerick, uh, Atlantic Edge, and then Limerick in larger capitals directly underneath. It starts uh, with a a palish blue that uh, uh, eventually changes into a pale green by the end of the CK and then underneath the RICK they have European Embrace again in smaller capitals so Limerick Atlantic Edge European Embrace. What did you think, Josh? Well, I'm, I'm proudly wearing the, the, the badge this morning, as you see, Joe. So <laughs> I, I suppose that's, uh, that, that's the, the first positive sign. Um, I suppose two things um, struck out to, to me. And first of all, uh, kudos, I, I think, to, to all involved at Limerick City and County Council uh, for putting it together. I think that the word edge, I think it's a lovely double meaning because I, I think we are an edgy city and county. We are that little bit different. We can offer something a little bit different to the Dublins, to the Corks to, to whoever it may be um, so so I really enjoyed that and obviously us being at the, the edge of the Atlantic as well but the whole idea of a European embrace that we're, we're not looking inwardly um, I, I suppose we're, we're not just looking nationally now we're, we're actually uh, I, I suppose you know branching ourselves out if you like on a European spectacle you know and Jennifer will know about a, a lot of the work done in LIT and even at UL and, and other places where and, and all across Limerick now between the FDI that's being brought in through the IDA and all that we really are uh, I suppose trying to, to find our place on that European map so I think that was really important to to bring in as well and, and as I say it, it's great for us to, to have an identity as a city and county now as well. Mm-hmm. Joe, it's just um, it's just absolutely a pleasure when you look at social media over the last twenty four hours. I suppose really, um, I just picked up LinkedIn this morning, just went onto it, and there was a, the their little um, snapshot of everything going on, and the, the 
the warmth, I suppose, is the word that I would describe Limerick as. Um, we've always been associated with being on the western coast of Ireland. I suppose we've always been associated with which had an airport and the US thing. But certainly the buy into the European thing, Joe, and the overall perspective when you look at it, and what I would describe as the warmth. We've always been known for people visiting the city as whether through sport or business, whatever, and that warm feeling was always there, Joe. And I just think it's a it's an absolutely tremendous idea to buy into the European, the whole European thing, especially with the Brexit thing going on, Joe, as well now mm-hmm. at the moment, because we we generally have been associated with the UK, um, the amount of Irish people in the past that went from went from Ireland over to the UK looking for employment, but now there's a buy into the European thing, and I just think that that could be a major major plus for this city. If you look <coughs> around it, we have a hell of a lot going on in this city now, and the city has developed compared go back 10-15 years ago when there was so so much negativity around the place so certainly kudos off to um, the city county and the county council because it's marvellous Joe that we are marketing ourselves now and with the with the benefits of social media it becomes so important that we are anyone can look at it now because Leo I mean you were at one stage a, a walking running hurling brand for Limerick weren't you I mean you know what it is to wear the jersey and, and wear the green it is Joe but it, that, you, you did, that's a personal thing Joe that you wear with pride and it's it's only when you see like 2018 when we win the All-Ireland that and go back to the European Cups the Heineken Cups that, that Munster Rugby have won it's then that you realise our uniqueness to what we have in this city and county and it's absolutely superb that we're able to ex- expand that now and go into Europe and as I said fair play to the County Council and the Corporation for, for taking Taking the lead and generating that now. Yeah, uh, Jennifer, it's a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? Uh, a brand you know, of any sort, but particularly when you are branding a place that is part of the fabric of our DNA. It, it you know, we feel very strongly about it. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell other people about yourself at, at, at times, right? And I, I'm also very conscious of the old, very negative nickname uh, that used to be attributed to Limerick City. Uh, And I was very familiar with it and kind of struck by it when we first moved here. uh, uh, Must be 17, 18 years ago now. And like, I'll just say the words, Stab City. And it's great to feel like Limerick is taking an active role in sort of overcoming that, leaving that behind uh, showing people what a welcoming city it is, that there's culture, there's music, there's food, there's entertainment, there's sport, there's art. There's three opportunities for higher level education between Mary I, LIT and UL. Uh, and and just to let the world know about us, um, I think, is, is, is great work. Yeah, absolutely. And the team, you know, at Limerick City and County Council deserve credit here because you can be sure you know for the likes of Laura Ryan for Pat Daly the CEO for the whole team that worked on this that were sleepless nights here because this this is a big big project and it is public money as well. Absolutely but I, I suppose it's, it's important to say I mean it, it's not just a, a logo or a, or a caption there's, there's a whole identity that had to be created here a whole lot of field work um, I, I, I heard uh, a clip on, on your news yesterday Joe where um, I suppose one of the one of the, the staff members from Sachi and Sachi was saying that there were there were people across Europe who didn't know where, where Limerick was and it, it was about going out in the field again not only in Ireland and Europe and finding out where we were and only by finding out where we were can you focus on where we are and then where we want to be. Whole <coughs> pile of work went in. Wasn't just a, it's not not just a, obviously the logo and the, the 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 caption is a huge part of that, um, 
but that's not what just what it was. There was a, a whole mountain of work that's gone into this, and I suppose the important thing is that the launch of the brand is by no means the end. It's it's the beginning, really, uh, of Limerick announcing itself on the the national and international stage. Yeah, I mean, Pat Daly made a very interesting point uh, on the Limerick Today show earlier this morning, talking to Alan Morrissey, which is you know, it's time to embrace it now. It's out there, and his point is it will only gain real traction if people now get behind it. Yeah, well, look, pe- people have to buy into it. I mean, whether, whether it be, you know, business, uh, education, industry, whatever it might be, might be, you know, I, I suppose, and Leo mentioned social media there, it was just, it was powerful how quickly it was disseminated yesterday um, and shared and, and liked and, and all over the world with, with the hashtag. And th- there was that real buy-in, not just from people from Limerick, but all around the Midwest and, mm. and even the rest of the country. But that, that buy-in can't stop at the launch and the event in St Mary's Cathedral yesterday. That really has to continue for weeks, months and years and for all of us to keep that, that brand and that sentiment in the back of our heads because we're all ambassadors of, of Limerick. You know, you, you are in your own role, the three of us are separately um, and it's important that we, we keep that in our minds all the time as well. Yeah, I mean, Leo, we had a great conversation about this even at home last night and I can't think of the last time we would have had a chat about the brand that is yeah. Limerick. So I suppose talkability in and of itself is part of this, isn't it? Absolutely, Joe. But I like Josh, just after saying it there, the positivity of the brand, right? And it's up to ourselves to drive the brand because we've created something now, Joe, that we've got to put out there social media is the perfect opportunity through our own, all our own forms of media that we have within the city. But it was one thing behind all this, Joe, all the time, as long as I can remember, there's always been a positivity as regards Limerick within ourselves. It's just that we never went out there and I suppose true true sport really, Joe, we never we never actually sold the brand either that we had. We always had this kind of uniqueness about the Toma Park, the, the foreign teams, the French teams, the English teams coming to Toma Park and it was never really sold. Now we actually have taken yeah. on the mantle and we're, we're actually doing something for ourselves and I might just add one other thing, Joe, is a lot of the negativity that was within Limerick at various stages didn't seem to come from the people within Limerick. It seemed mm. to come from yeah. foreign uh, people outside of the mm. country. Yeah, outside of the yeah, county, yeah. the Dublin media, that sort That's of a stuff. good point. But the only thing I think about that is it unfortunately had a dampening effect on Limerick people. It did, it yeah. had yeah, a huge effect, it, yeah. but yeah. It, it, it's like something cast a doubt and let the imagination do the rest. And that's exactly what the Dublin media and what... <laughs> for want of a better word. That's what they did on Limerick. And that's what actually happened. And I've never doubted Limerick as a city or a county. And we're all brand ambassadors in our own way for ourselves and indeed for the county. But the most important thing is that we we stayed strong and we have come out the other side of it now, Joe. So let's push on and let's develop that. The other thing I think, though, is that we in Limerick, and I've heard Limerick people making this point, are much more nuanced about the situation in Drogheda than they are in a lot of places around the country where there's a tendency to go, oh, Drada, it's a disaster zone, etc., etc. Mm. Now, we know better than anyone Absolutely, yeah. that is not the case, mm. that there is an issue there that they're trying to deal with in the same way that there was an issue here that needed to be dealt with. Mm. And it, it, it's, it's worth keeping that in mind as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, think, I think we always have, to be fair. I think to, to look to your present and your future, you have to embrace your past isn't that what they say or you you know and I think we've never been ashamed or frightened to to embrace it 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 was just 
outside of it, as Leo mentioned, that was the... And I suppose it, it's, a, it's a limerick thing and, and an Irish thing to, as Jennifer mentioned earlier, to talk about yourself. You know, that's the hardest thing, um, whether it be personally or your own city or your own county, it's always easier to talk about somebody else in, in a positive way uh, than it is yourself and to see your own qualities. And I think we all knew that those qualities were there, living in Limerick, working in Limerick. It's just a case now of pushing them out. I, I, I know we're told not to do this, but I, I've got to be honest with you, I've got much edgier with people, maybe Atlantic Edge, there you go, <laughs> uh, much edgier with people outside of Limerick um, who criticise Limerick now in my company. Much more than I used to. Yeah, I, I actually call them out on it now much, much more and I just say, look, I, I prefer if you didn't talk that way. You don't know what you're on about. But I just think, Joe, over the years, I think we've become more self-conscious that way because we have received so much negative press and the negativity that people... And at times, there are people that don't have not lived or embraced the Limerick culture. And that's, that's the negativity and that's the thing that we have to step up to the plate. And as I said, social media, I think, will be a massive part in it and how, how we protract it ourselves. Well, that's an, that's an amazing, you know, the, the point that you make and that you make as well, Leo, the, those comments that you refer to, Joe, I mean, a lot of the time you say, well, when was the last time you were in Limerick? And it's often years, it's often a long or time. Never. Or never, you know. And, and it's about, the, hopefully with the brand now, we can encourage people to come and see for themselves. People love stereotypes. We love stereotypes and labels about people. We love stereotypes and uh, labels about cities and places. So it's very easy to fall into that trap, right? Uh, we've already overcome the stereotype of the negative nicknames that I, mm. that I described before. Like, we have already overcome that. Now this branding opportunity is just a way to tell the world of like, yeah, that might have been our past. That might have been part of who we are. That might have been part of our, our history. It's part of every city or every every place where people live collectively it's it's part of their story as well and now we're looking forward to something new mm. was it value for money by the way the brand i think that's a question for an, another year or two i think i think th this is the start of it i think we'll see uh it, medium to long term whether it was i think if it works absolutely okay jennifer morton stretch leo connor and josh prenderville are with me um got to be honest, I've been saying this all week. I just can't get as animated as it seems to me we're supposed to about the coronavirus. I just... Am I wrong? I mean, is it the apocalyptic thing that is being suggested? Is it lack of knowledge, Joe? Is it lack of information that's coming out? That's the major question that how severe is it? What is it? And they're just, to me, there's just a simple lack of knowledge. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It's it's like a lot of things, and until it sort of lands outside, not literally, but outside your door, it's it's difficult to uh, unless it affects you or your country or around you directly. It's very difficult to start identifying or even panicking when you're you're hearing. Now, I I did hear. I think this morning there's two cases confirmed in the UK. Mm. I believe. Um, so and there's suddenly, sixty plus million people living in the UK. Well, yeah, <laughs> but well, yeah. Look, I, I, but by the by the way of percentages, I, I like our odds. But um, if if that's going to be the case, but look, as, as I say, it's it, it's difficult to, to to panic about it until it is on on your doorstep. But it it, it doesn't seem to be good. Um, that that would be my limited knowledge on the the subject. I'm delighted to hear that you're not worked up about it or excited about it because. The worst thing that could happen is if we were to go into a panic well, that's about it. Too, yeah. Okay, uh, but I'm, I would be a natural panicker. That's why I can't understand it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, normally I would be running around the studio panicking, yeah. but about this one, I just can't. 
I don't mean. Do I you remember know. SARS? Oh, do I remember that? SARS? Apparently, there's more people with the coronavirus now than there was. With, yeah, yeah, but with with SARS. apparently, yeah. SARS had a higher death rate, and yes. the death rate was still oh, small. There's, there's there you all, go. Shows what I know. No, no, no. But I mean, <laughs> we're on the same boat. A two percent death rate, and 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 two percent is two percent too many. Of right? course, yeah. but. Uh, those who who have died from it are people who either already had some kind of a frail immune system issue or were, I believe, now this could make you a little bit nervous, they were over 50. So, um, oh, dear. If, if you oh, dear. Now, oh, dear. Oh, Jennifer. Oh, okay. well, I am not over 50. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I knew when I got this haircut oh, during the week. Oh, my God. I knew. I said, this is what's going to happen to me now. People are going to go around going, you're over 50. Look, what's if it's any comfort... If, if, <laughs> if it's any comfort to you, I am just as much at risk as you are if, if that is the case. But it is oh honestly God. the case. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I am panicking. Sorry, go on. But but we don't have to worry now. But isn't it great that we're aware of it? And certainly, I would follow all you know anything that the World Health Organization has to say about it because they certainly have their have their their fingers on the pulse. Yes, yes. And and I, I I'd, be, I'd be worried too if I was one of the people who is being evacuated. Uh, one of the Irish people who's being but, flown out and has to stay two weeks uh, in quarantine. Wuhan, the the city. Yeah, I think it is a population of over eleven million people. That's, That's right, twice yeah. the population of the island of Ireland or thereabouts. And yeah, you're and saying, there's what 160 cases. Or, or I think there've been 160, 160 deaths, deaths yeah. worldwide, and there's seven and a half thousand confirmed cases. Confirmed cases yeah. so far. So I'm just wondering at what point. Relativity comes into this. There were 650,000 deaths from the normal flu virus worldwide last year. Yeah, I suppose there's two things. One, it's new. And, and secondly, you know, it, it's a bit like the weather warnings. You know, if we're not warned about it and something awful happens, well, then the argument is, well, you never warned us. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I would prefer to know it's there. Um, be prepared. And I think in fairness to the WHO and the HSE, as you say, as I say, until it hits your shores, you can we can say we're prepared and prepare for everything, but it's only then that, that, that we'll know. But it's 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 a difficult one, Joe. What won't be you, going to Wuhan uh, for my summer holidays anyway, unfortunately. <laughs> what do you make of the detective work by the HR department in Dunn Stores um, who found that uh, one of their workers who had called in sick was giving a belly dancing class at a nearby hotel. Off you go, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Um, it's look, Joe, if you ring in sick and you're getting paid for your sick day and you're doing another class elsewhere, you're guilty. And that's the only way you can describe it, Joe, because you've got to have respect. I'd be on the employer side on this, on this side of defence because you have to show respect for your employer, who you work for, after all, they're offering you a living. Mm. And then you ring in sick and you completely show disrespect for it. And you would, with a kidney infection. And then you're doing a belly, a, a belly dance class <laughs> an hour later. I think the caveat, though, is I definitely agree with you up to that point, other than the fact that I believe the employer was aware of the belly dance. I can't believe this is a sentence I'm saying. <laughs> the employer was aware of the belly dance situation. And am I correct in saying that? And then, well, in fairness, now the, um, the the belly dancer failed in the unfair dismissal case against Duns um, because the Labour Court 
uh, found that um, the retailer had sacked um, her in this case after mounting a one-person operation that found that she was giving a belly dance class at a local hotel after she called in sick complaining of a kidney infection earlier that day. This this was the 17th of May 2016. What I'm saying is I, I believe that the employer was aware that this class was taking place sort of hours prior. So therefore... Hey, but I mean, well, but, well, what happened was would, would the, you, the HR you, manager apparently when the call came in, and yeah. then there was another phone call at four o'clock, according to the evidence, yeah. that said that uh, from advice, her condition had not improved, and she was going to go to bed for the night. Yeah. Okay. okay. So she wouldn't be able to work her shift. So then the HR manager telephoned the hotel and was told that the belly dance class was proceeding <clears throat> that night. <laughs> So they then asked a colleague to go and there you were and they found that the the woman who worked in the hotel but also gave the belly dance class uh, was wearing a purpley pink outfit um, where the belly dance class was to take place at 8.30 along with a group of ladies attending the class. It might have been better had she worn her Dunn's uniform yeah. <laughs> to conduct this. That, that, that way at least the two, two birds would be killed with one stone. But I love this story and I'll tell you why because it gives me a chance to mention sociology. There is a sociologist by the name of, or there was, by the name of Talcott Parsons, who was writing in the 50s and 60s. And he is the guy who, who kind of coined this idea of the sick role. And he said that when you say you are sick, you make agreements with everyone in society around you and that you have to fulfill these things in order to be labeled sick. And one of the things is you have to abandon all the other roles that you have in your life because you are sick. And that includes work and includes, you know, work that happens within the domestic setting. It includes, you know, all, all the things, the social obligations that you have, they all get set aside because you are sick. And that's playing out here for this one. Call Limerick today now on 461995.